0: Good morning. Children, I want you to uh, draw a picture for your mother this morning of something that she likes. I don't know what that might be, but I hope you will. I will um, lead us to the scripture as the sermon progresses. Let's pray together. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when our children and grandchildren, our grandchildren especially, when they're coming to visit us, where are they going? They're going to grandma's. And when the athlete waves at the camera on TV, who does he salute? Hi, Mom! It's a little disconcerting to me. But we all understand why that is. I mean, in our case, Linda's clearly a much more pleasant person than me. my grandchildren refer to me as grumpy grandpa. I'm sure none of you understand that. But clearly in most family situations there's a, a special relationship that exists between mom, grandma, and her children, her grandchildren. They, they delight in her love, her, her hug, her Her kiss, her gentle words, they're they're confident uh, that she'll be there for them no matter what. And certainly, I've watched my wife uh, through the years, time and again, change her own plans to do what her children or grandchildren legitimately needed. Now, As you know, I mean, throughout scripture, God is described using masculine terms, such as father or, or king. But on occasion, God's love for his children is compared to the love of a mother for her children. For example, In Isaiah 49 and verse 15, God likens his love for his people to that of a mother for the child at her breast. But then, if you look at that passage, and um, I'll encourage you even more later on this morning. You need to read all of Isaiah 49 through 54 in one shot. It has a lot to do with today's sermon. Because after comparing his love for the Israelites to the love of a mother for the child at her breast, the Lord soberly tells them, even though you might forget me, I'll never forget you. It's an interesting statement on the part of the Lord. I mean, do children or grandchildren ever forget their mother or grandmother? I mean, you might say, no, 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 of course. But sometimes, of course, the way that those children or grandchildren choose to live or behave makes it seem that they have forgotten everything that mom or grandma tried to to teach or or to model for them. And yet, mom, even in those situations, she still loves them. Even though they're far from perfect. My sons certainly weren't perfect. My daughters were. (laughs) Well, likewise, the scripture teaches that God first loved us even when we were sinners, ungodly, terribly imperfect. And even now, though by grace through faith we have embraced him as our Savior and our Lord and our King, you know that we choose at times to live as if we've forgotten him. And yet the Lord, like a nursing mother, assures us he will never forget us. He will never turn his back on us. Nothing will ever separate us from his love. He loves us. And because he loves us, he disciplines us. He disciplines us when we live forgetful of him. You know how often he disciplined his Old Testament people when they went astray? He loved them. And he also said to them, you may forget me, but I'll never forget you. Well, likewise, a godly mother, because she loves her children, she's going to reprimand them when they forget her godly teaching and instructions, when they become disobedient or foolish. But having done so, she'll also reassure them of her love and offer a comforting hug or or gentle words to help heal their hurts and to, to dry their tears. Well, likewise, God lovingly disciplines us when we are foolish or, or disobedient, but he's always ready to comfort our broken hearts and to dry are repentant tears, always. Now, during Paul's second missionary journey, he planted a church in Thessalonica. A couple of years later, he wrote to them. And now, I'm going to look at some of the scripture that's printed for you in the bulletin, but not all of it. But you'll notice there that beginning in the middle of 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 6 and I'm going to tell you there's some passages in scripture that just outline for you a sermon. Well, I'm going to just assume that you can see the outline because I'm not going to necessarily preach this total outline. But just look at this passage. First, beginning in the middle of the sixth verse of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul tells them, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, You love these expressions? We were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. And you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. I mean, that passage with just a little explanation and hardly needed teaches us a lot about a mother's love. Because here Paul, speaking as an imitator of his Lord, speaks of loving these people at Thessalonica like a mother caring for her nursing child. Just a couple of quick background. When Paul came to Thessalonica, there were professional, professional traveling philosophers who, for pay, would entertain the people with their elegant eloquence and latest ideas. Well, Paul didn't want to be identified with such charlatans. And therefore, he earned his living by tent making. In later years, Paul gratefully received support from several churches. But when Paul first came to Thessalonica, there were few such churches. And you see there in chapter 2, verse 7, that Paul equates his decision Not to be a burden to them with a mother gently caring for her children. (laughs) It's an illustration that most of us understand. For most mothers, instead of being a burden to their children, they eagerly serve them by caring and providing for their needs. I mean, in our house, and maybe in your house, we joked that mom wasn't allowed to get sick. She wasn't allowed to get sick because if she was sick, who was going to take care of the rest of us? Now, of course, we said that in jest, but there was a reason for that jest. I mean, because even when she was sick, um, she modeled before us year after year her selflessness. You see there in verse 7, you see the word gentle? The only other place that Paul uses that word, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, when Paul instructs Timothy to deal gently with those guilty of serious error. Deal gently with them. Mom, loving your child includes speaking to them the truth gently but uncompromisingly. But most important, most importantly, Mom, teaching them by how you live. I mean, look again at 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. Being affectionately desirous of you sounds like my wife, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. I mean, Apostle Paul didn't just preach to them. He selflessly offered up himself in service to them. Children, I think I think you can we can debate this. Children often learn more by what is caught than by what is taught. I mean not all moms, I mean not all moms are equally gifted in verbally communicating God's truth. But all moms who burn with a holy passion to honor their Lord and to bless others are equipped, they're empowered, they're enabled by the Lord to live lives that exemplify the truth of God's word. I mean, some of you mothers know that for years, Linda and Lucy Wyckoff shared with some of our mothers various ways they could teach their children about the Lord through books and songs and teaching tools and, and training methods. But above all, they emphasized to some of you that it was by a godly example that mothers could best impact their children's lives. You remember this passage, just listen. In 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 5. Paul tells Timothy, I am reminded when I think about you, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Look forward to meeting Lois and Eunice. I, I, you know, we're not told, not told what Timothy most remembered about his mother and grandmother. But I know what I remember most about my mother and grandmother. I only had one grandmother. And I'm confident what I remember is what my children think of first in relationship to their mother. It's a mom who is gentle and selfless, who, who loves them and clearly lives a life that exemplifies her love for the Lord. Now, several years ago, while teaching in Uganda at the African Bible University, I had carefully prepared 16 brilliant lessons. They were just remarkable. But one afternoon... Dr. Palmer Robertson had the audacity to suggest that I lay aside the lesson for that day and instead relate to the children the story of Linda's family history. And it turned out to be the most important thing I shared with them that entire week. Linda's mother's maiden name is Cross. And beginning with grandma and grandpa cross, the cross clan, and we all have numbers, my number is 60, and that's impressive because the cross clan now numbers more than 425 people. And by the way, one-fourth of that clan belongs to Linda's mom and dad, and one-tenth of that clan belongs to us. Okay. I just think that's important to keep those statistics in mind. But here's what I want to tell you, and just stay with me a minute because I'm not trying to frustrate anybody. Of that 400, almost everyone genuinely loves the Lord and seeks to serve him. Now, how much, how much do you think Grandma Cross had to do with that? Now, now, sharing those facts with my students in Uganda brought tears to the eyes of many of these first and second generation Christians as they thought of what God might do in and through them over the next few generations. And I share this story with you so that you mom may realize what the Lord might do in and through you if he doesn't first return do in and through you to impact the coming generations not only of your home but of this community of this nation, of this world the world is desperate for godly examples it doesn't know it but by God's grace perhaps it will come to understand it now please okay, this is really important to me please understand that not all of these more than 400 descendants appear at this time to love the Lord some have walked away from the faith and I know that some of you have children who appear at this time to have walked away from the faith that's heartbreaking that's heartbreaking but now please hear me mothers please hear me that does not Necessarily indicate that you, as their mother, failed them. I know many of you. I know you taught them God's truth. I know that you set them a godly example. I know you weren't perfect. None of us are perfect. And yet, for reasons I don't know, and for reasons you don't begin to understand, They've now turned their back upon the Lord. And as we, as we bear one another's burdens, as Paul talks about in Galatians, as we bear one another's burdens, it causes us to weep. We weep together. But please hear me. Whatever the reason, they're turning for now. They're turning away from the Lord for now. Hear me this. Hear me. It's their doing. They're adults. It's their doing. It's not yours. You know that Scripture... That the scripture, the the history found in the scripture is heartbreakingly filled with the history of wayward children. Just, just, Just read the history of the nation of Judah. It's astonishing. Good king, godly king, walked in the way of the Lord. His son, bad king. He walked in the way of the nations. Good king, bad king. Good king, maybe two in a row, maybe three in a row. And then bad king. Can I explain that to you? The scripture doesn't explain it to me and I can't explain that to you. But this is what I want you to hear. Whatever the reason, whatever the reason, it's their decision. It's their decision. And with you, I pray for these wandering sheep. I mean, asking the Lord to do what he describes in the gospel, to go out after that wandering sheep to bring him home some in the cross clan that wandered away they have returned some have but dear ones please hear me as you weep don't beat yourselves up I'm going to say it again I know many of you I know you you aren't perfect you were faithful you taught them and lived before them not with perfect consistency but for the most part you lived before them a godly example please believe it's not your fault that they have for now walked away now hear me As you weep and pray and seek ways to positively impact the life of your wayward child, remember that only the Lord can lead them to a knowledge of the truth, so plead with him. And as you weep and pray, pray for those who now as mothers have the opportunity and the privilege to impact their children by word and example. When I was 15, and I was once 15, when I was 15, 1962, I'd ask how many of you were born after 1962, but that would lead to too many hands in the air. When I was 15, My life was in shambles. I've told you some of this. Having been expelled from high school, I got up, left the principal's office, and ran away. I was reported to the police. The Ewing Township Police were looking for me. Because of that, a policeman showed up at my mother's door. My father was at work, and he informed her. He informed her of my situation. A policeman at my mother's door. And then that policeman suggested To my mom, who many of you remember, suggested to my mom that it might really help if you became involved in church. Now, can you imagine just how devastating that was to my mom? Well, what was she doing? was praying for me she was praying for me and I got hungry and returned home that evening but neither my parents nor the Lord would let me go and after a while this lost sheep returned to the fold and so I rise up I thank the Lord for my mom and dad I sing their praises you've heard me many times and when the Lord graciously chooses to bring back to the fold a wandering sheep I am confident that many of them will be quick to acknowledge their mother's impact upon their lives and what more what more in this life as well as in the life to come what more could any mother want so I close praying for you mom the words of 3rd John Verse four, I pray that you may know no greater joy than the joy of knowing that your children walk in the truth. Let's pray. Father, teach us, instruct us, and lead us in righteousness. Mm-hmm. Father, may we be faithful to you and hear the prayers that we plead before you. Father, may we have the opportunity to give you all glory, praise, and honor and to know no greater joy than to know that our children walk in the truth. And all God's people said, Amen.